Welcome into another episode of ESPN's Ball in the Real World podcast. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, and we're coming off a crazy weekend of NBL basketball, potentially the best Sunday of NBL basketball we've seen in many years. A, a pretty explosive triple header, you could say. We're going to get to that uh, a little bit later in the week. Make sure you are up to date with everything at ESPN.com.au. But today we're talking draft. Draft season never really ends. Sometimes I say it's draft season, but this stuff just continues to roll through. And to help me out uh, with this kind of stuff, we've got ESPN's draft expert, Jonathan Gavoni, is here. This is a man that uh, is as busy as anyone in the basketball scene. So we are appreciative of you giving us some time, Jonathan. Happy to be with you. Thanks for having me. So I, I guess we should start there. So this has been one of the more fascinating things for me to talk to people that, that do similar jobs to your own. How has the last 18 months been and where are we at now in the process? I know you're about to do some travel to Las Vegas, but in terms of trying to assess these prospects, trying to watch as much basketball as you can, not only in the US, but overseas, uh, where are we at now in terms of how you can actually do your job? We're getting pretty close to being back to normal. So, I mean, it, I'm very fortunate. It's very hard for me to complain. You know, um, uh, I'm healthy. Uh, you know, I have a job. And I'm doing what I love. And my family's healthy. So I'm, I'm good, honestly. Um, as long as the games keep <laughs> being played and hopefully they can do it in a safe way. Um, you know, I, I've been able to get out and travel quite a bit. I, you know, I had COVID like a year ago. It wasn't a very serious case. And, um, once I got through it, I, I just started hitting the road, you know, and got vaccinated. I was the first one in line for that. And so I'm um, already boosted and, you know, I'm, I'm good to go. So um, I just hope they, you know, that this latest outbreak around the world um, kind of dies down and that, you know, the basketball season doesn't, you know, have to be, um, you know, too affected, you know, because, you know, last year was challenging, but I mean, there's some really creative people and, you know, in the NBA and college basketball and also, you know, around the globe and people figure it out, you know, and you tip your hat to them because um, we found a way to have a season last year. And so far it's been, it's been great. So I just hope it continues. So this is a question that you will be able to answer as well as anyone. I always have people ask me about the NBL and it's such a, it's almost a cliche question in Australia. Where's the NBL sit now? Where does it rank? And, and rather than trying to rank the league, I think that the way that I describe it is before COVID hit and I was still living in the US, I just said that a lot more people were interested in the NBL and I could generally sense that there was more uh, questions coming. What's going on in this Australian league? Why, why is this sort of rising to more prominence? So when you see more players, and we're about to rattle through a bunch of guys in the league this year that are going to be in the mix for the 2022 NBA draft, how have you seen uh, the NBL grow from a, a pathway standpoint? Well, I mean, it's gone from a league that I, I didn't really need to care about three years ago to, you know, one that I, I wake up every single day, checking the box scores, going on Synergy, saying, hey, did they log this last game? Let me check out, you know, the minutes that uh, Mojave King or Luke Travers or Mario Hukporti, you know, I mean, it's so easy now to, to follow everything around the world. And so, you know, now that the season has started, I'm, I'm checking in very regularly and I'm, you know, following different news sites and social media, people like you, you know, they make it really easy. It's a really well covered league and the NBL does an amazing job of, 
uh, promoting their product and, you know, giving these kids the, the platform that they deserve. And it's a very high level competition, you know? And so if, if players play well, I mean, we know that that, that matters, you know, because it's, it's, it's pretty proven, you know, like I did an article, um, you know, a month ago or so, you know, kind of evaluating different pathways, G League Ignite, overtime, college basketball, the NBL. And I think more than, you know, anyone else, I mean, you could really say that, you know, if a guy performs in, in the NBL and gets drafted really high, I mean, that, that, that's a good sign. You know, I mean, Lamelo has been amazing. Josh Giddy is off to a great start. Um, you know, RJ Hampton looks good. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, compared to five years ago, it's pretty incredible just the, the way that the league has ascended. And it looks like it's going to continue to ascend because you're seeing progress every year. And, you know, it, it feeds off each other. And, you know, like, a guy like, you know, a guy plays well from France and all of a sudden other players in France are interested in maybe, you know, doing that. And I think, you know, you saw how many American high school guys put the NBL on their recruiting list, you know, and saying this is a, I'm, I'm thinking about going to the NBL, you know, like whether it was Imani Bates or Jalen Duran or Nick. These are like top level elite guys. So maybe they didn't get you know, any of those guys over the line, but just to be in that final list, the final consideration, you know, for, for those caliber of players, that, that means a lot, I think. All right. So you mentioned France, let's start right there. The breakers have got a couple of guys that are on most draft boards at the moment, but I want to start with Hugo Passan. I was able to watch him live for the first time on Friday night here, going back a few days ago and Considering the Breakers are going through a bunch of injury concerns, they've come off a COVID outbreak themselves. Hugo had COVID, um, which was apparently was a tough time for him. I was there and saw him score the last 14 points of this game. Uh, Nelly brought New Zealand right back to a win. He backed it up with another 20-point game. So it's only been three games so far, but he's averaging 20-plus uh, points. Uh, he's been a guy that's been mostly around the 30s. I believe he was at 34 on, on your last uh, draft board there. But... Uh, what is it about Hugo? Firstly, um, where do you see uh, this playing out uh, for him? And what is it about Hugo that he potentially um, needs to continue to work on to rise in that board? Well, we're only three games into the season, but you know, we've already, you know, updated our top 100 and he looks like a first round pick. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's firmly in the 20s. He's in, I'm looking at my board right now. He's number 24 in our top 100, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and so I watched those last, two games this you know this this past weekend he scored 51 points you know in in a matter of 48 hours i mean i thought it was it was really really impressive you know just the the different ways that he's able to score you know running off screens playing pick and roll getting to the rim getting to the free throw line left hand right hand mid-range game um step backs i mean like the guy i mean he's a complete score you know and he's 20 years old and i think he's got more to show in terms of his passing ability too you talk to the breakers and they say the passes that this guy makes in practice you know they say wait till people see what you know how good his vision is how creative he is and so i'm you know it's exciting you know like i mean it's uh, to see a guy you know a professional basketball team full of 20 and 30 year olds just having no answers whatsoever for how to slow this guy down. I mean, I think that speaks volumes. And then you have to consider that, like you said, he's coming off COVID. He was stuck in a hotel room for 10 days, couldn't practice, lost like 
12, 14 pounds, you know, like came back off one practice, played his first game. Um, you know, that's, that's amazing. You know, like, so I can only, I, I got to think that he's going to continue to get better as the year moves on. He obviously absolutely needs to improve defensively. He had some, you know, some bad moments I thought this past weekend on that end, but, um, He's a talent. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. Six, five can handle the ball, both hands athletic. I mean, there's just, they're not, they're not, that's made for the NBA right now. Yeah. And I think with the breakers, the interesting thing about it is uh, that with some of the lineups they're playing, it's not only Basson, but Usman Dieng, who we can touch on now is also in that lineup, Will McDowell White. And they're basically got a guys that are a bunch of guys that are 20, 21, 22, still trying to figure it out together. And Dan Shamir is going crazy on the sidelines and pointing and telling them where to go defensively. Uh, but Usman Dieng, uh, when these guys rolled through for media day a couple of weeks ago, um, you see guys that, that look young and, and then you watch them on the floor and they look like they still have development. He's definitely one of those guys and you see it on the floor. Um, but he's a genuine sort of, again, uh, high up on those boards um, uh, so far that what we've seen over the last few months. So Usman Dieng, what is it about him? He does strike me as a guy that's perhaps um, more uh, in the situation where he's going to develop his, his skill set compared to Passan, who's obviously come in and, and had an impact right away. Yeah, he's two years younger, and and he you know he looks honestly like he's four years younger because yeah. <laughs> he hit this late growth spurt, you know, when he was seventeen. He went from like six five to six ten, and you know, for those kind of guys, it takes a while for their bodies to catch up and to figure out you know their balance and their strength and you know just. What position are they? You know, like I think he's legitimately figuring out what position he is because he grew up as a guard, but now he's big enough to play power forward, you know? And so, um, you know, I think um, he had some really impressive moments. I thought this past weekend, um, you know, that step back was, was, was really impressive. Um, you know, a couple of blocks, recovering at the rim, a um, couple of passes. So, the flashes are high level, you know, like when he's putting it together, he looks like a lottery pick, uh, but he also had some tough moments, you know, like he didn't, he didn't shoot the ball particularly well, um, especially with his feet set. Um, you know, he kind of got spun around defensively. I think they're going to probably want to see him, you know, be a little bit more competitive on the class and just being tougher in general. But I mean, that will come. I think people know that, you know, when you talk about 18 year olds, guys coming from, you know, the third division in France, it's not all going to happen for him in one day um so i think the key thing for him is just continuing to grow as the season moves on i mean he, he has some good games in preseason so the talent is there i think it's just going to take him time because you know the nbl it's it's not an easy league to just step in and dominate especially if you're a you know physically raw player like he is so you already mentioned Luke Travers and Perth fans. Anytime you talk about young players in the league, they will be very quick to remind you to, to mention Luke Travers. Now he's a guy last year that I think surprised many as a development player um, with the Wildcats fully contracted this year. And he's, he's one of the favorites to win rookie of the year. It's a weird situation where he's still eligible for that. Um, but six, five and, and just fills up the box score. He's not a guy necessarily that I expect is going to get you 20, 25 points on any given night, but you'll look there and he's got a couple blocks, a couple steals, does it, uh, can, can do it on both ends of the floor and, and can really move in transition. Have you seen the rise of Luke Travis? When did he first sort of come on, on your radar as a guy that you wanted to track? So I was at the under 17 world cup in 2018 
which is the first time I saw Jalen Green, first time I saw, um, I mean, RJ Hampton, Killian Hayes, Teo Maladon. It was a loaded event. And Luke Travers was the best player on that team for Australia and um, had a really good all around showing. Um, I mean, it was him and this kid, Luke Jackson, who I think is playing in the AFL now, you know, um, I mean, they were, they were tough, honestly. So I've, you know, he's been on my radar for some time and um, it was always a matter of, you know, not that dissimilar to, to Usman, just catching up physically. You know, he's always been thin. He's got, you know, a thin frame and not the most athletic guy around, but I mean, he's, you know, he's legitimate six, seven, and he's a guard, you know, like you see what he did in the NBL playoffs last year, you know, with Bryce Cotton out, he was running the team, playing pick and roll, fighting guys off the move. Um, you know, he's very competitive defensively. He's got great instincts. He's just a basketball player, you know, like he really, really knows how to play. Um, he's very versatile. Just, you know, the big question is, is the shot, you know, I mean, that's, um, that's been something he's been trying to figure out, you know, basically his whole career, you know, he's one for 10 for three on the year so far shot, you know, in a 29% last year. So a guy like that, you know, with that body type to play in the NBA, he's going to have to be a good shooter, you know, like, and so for him to be below average, I think that, you know, that's where the question marks come in, but um, he's, on my radar for sure, you know, because he can really play. So when you said earlier about prospects and they, they would put down the NBL as, as one of the potential recruiting paths that might go down when they're trying to figure out where they're going to play. The G League Ignite, you also mentioned, um, this is, again, a different type of way these guys can go. And there's so many options now, whether it's internationally, but this gives a chance for American players in particular to stay in the US. But Dyson Daniels has been putting up some big numbers uh, yesterday or the day before uh, as we're recording this year, 23-9-6, four steals as well. Um, this is a guy that widely projected to, to be a first-round talent. Uh, there's obviously a lot of interest in him here in Australia, but perhaps there isn't the opportunity to, to see him play as much. So what is Dyson Daniels doing over there and why should Australian fans be excited about him? So I'm going to you know, I saw Dyson at the U19s in Latvia um, in, in, in July, which, you know, we have to mention, you know, he, he's playing point guard for G League Ignite. Taron Armstrong is looking like one of the best passers in college basketball. And neither of those guys played point guard for Australia this past <laughs> summer. You know, like, that's the crazy part. And so, um, you know, he's been on our radar for quite some time, just being at the NBA Global Academy. Um, you know, they brought him over to a lot of different places that I saw him in Spain. And, and, and so, I mean, he's big guard, um, great feel for the game, can really pass, um, very versatile defensively, um, you know, just a really good basketball player. And, you know, he's been inconsistent this year. I think as a group, they're trying to figure out, you know, what their identity is. You know, they've got most of their talent is really, you know, in the backcourt, you know, with Jaden Hardy, who's like a score first combo guard with Scoot Henderson who's like an incredible athlete um, also a combo guard scorer and so I think they're still just trying to figure out you know like their identity I mean it's it's been a little bit of up and down year for them I'm going to Vegas tomorrow going to see him play tomorrow night we'll watch him play two more times so I'll have a better feel for him you know I've watched a couple of their games on film but I've just been kind of waiting 
because I know I have this Vegas trip coming up to watch them three times in person, which is going to be great for me. But um, he's 18 years old and, you know, just a really smart, versatile, unselfish player. Um, so, yeah, like you said, projected first round pick, you know, where he goes, I think a lot of that is going to be determined by, you know, the season he has, which, you know, really just started like a month ago. So we've spoke a lot about players that need to develop. And this is often the case when you're talking about teenagers, one guy that when he sat in front of me for the first time, I was like, okay, this guy looks like he's been playing pro basketball for a while. Uh, Ariel hook party. You already mentioned him. It, kind of an interesting situation that he's in with Melbourne United. He's going to be coming off the bench. Uh, probably not going to be playing major minutes. I, I don't know how that impacts him, but yeah, this guy physically, the first first thing uh, I thought was this guy looks like he's ready to go up against against men. Yeah, definitely. I mean, seven feet tall, seven three wingspan, two hundred fifty pounds, just chiseled, you know, and <laughs> uh, pretty bouncy off two feet. Um, you know, moves well. So yeah, I mean, on first glance, you look at him, you're like, yeah, that's that's what an NBA center looks like for sure. Um, do you, what is it about his game then? Because when you, when you talk to him, he says that, and this is the same for a lot of young guys, they said, well, I had to go through the process of, of trying to figure out physically how I can match it with these, with these big men. Clearly, he's athletic. We've already seen him have a number of plays where he'll block the shot on one end of the floor. He'll be the first man back in transition for a putback jam or, or a score on the other end. Um, what is it with him? Keeping in mind that obviously with younger guys, it, it sometimes takes some time, the, the big men. Yeah, I mean, I guess what people want to see from him is, you know, where does he fit defensively? I mean, the, 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 and the game has changed so much in the NBA with big men, you know, where you really need to be able to anchor a defense and be versatile, be able to step out, um, you know, show on ball screens, switch, um, you know, get back, protect the rim. You know, you have to think the game at such a high level right now if you're a big man. And you know, and then on the other end, you know, they want to see versatility there too. They'd like to see you be able to step outside, stretch the floor a little bit, um, you know, make some passes um, and be a roller, you know, like a guy who can second screens. And so he's, you know, he's figuring that part out, you know, like especially defensively. And, I, you know, I would guess that that's why his minutes have been a little bit limited. I haven't watched either of those games that he played yet, you know, but, um, uh, you know, they're playing the breakers next week. So that'll be a great opportunity to watch him against Hugo and Usman. Um, but um, yeah, so it's, um, I think it's been a process for him. You know, he played on a small team last year, Lithuania, and, uh, you know, it's kind of all about him. And it was really just a, it was a showcase for him to, to, to improve his draft stock. And people didn't take that very seriously. So I think he decided to change course and sign, you know, in a more, uh, you know, respected, uh, organized setting and um you know he's taking his lumps a little bit early but that's normal I mean, he's 19 years old and it, it's a big transition and i'm sure that we'll see more of him as the year moves on so i want to before uh we let you go i want to ask about josh giddy but is there anyone i've missed i mean you already mentioned mojave king there's a lot of interest around him obviously a tough first year in cairns now he's with adelaide is there anyone else that are obvious that uh that i've left off the list here and as you said the nbl season's just started uh, you're wrapping your head around these games. Obviously, uh, uh, you know you're you're a maniac for for getting up, watching these games, following all all these box scores as it is. Um, outside of Mojave King, is there, is there someone else I've, I've missed that springs to mind? I mean, I'm curious to see you know some of these other guys. Tom Digbo did mm -hmm. pretty well in the preseason for Brisbane. Um, you know, definitely looks the part, has all the physical tools, and you know has some versatility too. 
you know, how does he fit into the rotation? Um, hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities so far early in the year. I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully seeing more of him. Um, a poor maker at Sydney, you know, I mean, very highly touted earlier in his career. Um, you know, wasn't seen at all last year, but, you know, only had, I think, two games at, at Howard, you know, had injuries. And so, you know, that's a guy people, um, people are interested in. Uh, Nikita Mihailovsky uh, hasn't gotten any burn yet at Tasmania, but, you know, one of the best shooters in the league, I would think. He's got great size at 6'9". So, um, I mean, I would think that as the year moves on and, you know, there are injuries and people, you know, coaches get more comfortable with what they have in their rotation, these guys will start, you know, getting more chances to, to show themselves. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, every team has somebody. I mean, like you said, Mojave King, but also Kai Soto. That's the guy that we'll be watching in, in, in Adelaide. So, yeah, no no shortage of, of, of guys to watch on almost every team. Yeah, it, it honestly is crazy now covering the league and coming back to Australia. And before I left, this was not the case. And now there's literally every single game you watch, there's, there's a guy of interest uh, as far as, yeah, potential NBA prospect goes. So, Josh Giddy. So, clearly, he is the talk of Australian basketball right now. And and I, I don't know. The easiest way that I can describe what Josh Giddy is doing is that he looks like the same player with the Oklahoma City Thunder that he was with the Adelaide 36ers last year, which I feel like is, is, is a compliment when you talk about making that step, stepping into a pro Look, the, the Thunder are a little bit of a tough watch. Let's just say that. But if you watch Giddy game in, game out, there's always something in there that's pretty special, whether it's a pass, uh, something else that he does out there. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a brilliant basketball player and he's so much fun to watch. And so, I mean, he really makes it, you know, probably this season, which is going to be a tough one for OKC fans, like more enjoyable because yeah. like, you just never know what he's going to do at any moment. You know, like the guy, is, he's a basketball genius. And so that's um, and that makes him very watchable. You know, I mean, there just aren't that many guys like him, you know, six, nine, who, you know, play point guard full time, can make every pass and, you know, play with such a joy in terms of like empowering teammates and making the game easy. And so, I mean, that's that's what it's all about. So. Um, you're right. He he has made this transition look very easy. Not all that unlike, you know, how LaMelo looked, you know, going from Illawarra to, to Charlotte, you know, like he also, it actually almost looked easier for him at times in the NBA than it did in the NBL. And that makes sense because you know, it's a long season, 82 games. And, you know, like a lot of people look at OKC or Charlotte last year. It's like, Hey, that's our night off. You know, like we don't have to play that hard. And so like that gives those guys more space to do things and get comfortable. And, you know, the wins and losses are not as important to, you know, and so that just makes it, you know, a lot, a lot easier, you know, like uh, to get your feet wet and to get comfortable. And so, you know, I think every rookie would, would love to go into a situation like that where, you have that kind of green light and, you know, like, okay, you're going to get blown by on defense. That's fine. You know, keep, you know, just get him back next time. You know, it's not, a, not every uh, player is in that kind of situation. I think it's going to really benefit Josh down the road. So if we wind the clock back, he, he was a guy that until draft night, and, and obviously you were, you would have been all over this, but for him to go so high, given the fact that he actually ended his season early in the NBL, what do you think contributed to that? being the case and, and obviously at the time of the Australian national team uh, got to got to play a little bit in front of some NBA teams but but what's your sense for what was the, the contributing factor there you know I think there was a lot there wasn't a lot of separation in that group 
you know, like once you get outside of the top five, you know, like we kind of knew that that was what the top five was going to look like in some order. After that, it really, it, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, who you like the best, you know, like, and what, what, what your timetable is and what you have on your roster. And so, um, you know, he could have gone six, he could have gone ninth, you know, like we knew by draft night that he was going to go in that top 10 or 11. And, um, you know, I mean, I think the more people looked at him, the more comfortable they got. And I think it helped that he was here in the U S you know, in that training camp in Las Vegas, um, you know, that game against Nigeria, I thought helped him too. Um, you know, so I just think that, um, you know, the fact that, you know, the Australia was closed for the whole season, um, you know, there was this mystery around him, you know, like people hadn't really seen him live. And then he came and they're like, oh, my God, that guy is huge, you know, <laughs> and then they see the way that he fit in, in a very good group of, you know, good players in Australian National. And then we're like, okay, you know, he looks like he belongs with NBA players. And then he goes against, you know, one of the most athletic teams in the world in Nigeria, and it didn't face him. And also he really held his own defensively in that game too, which I thought really helped him. And then, you know, he had some good workouts or whatever. It's probably more one-on-zero stuff, but I think more people get to know him as a person, you know, and get to about, you know, his family background, you know, just, you know, um, you know, being parents of basketball players. I think all of that just made people more and more comfortable with who he is and what he projects to become. Well, uh, we can wrap this up, but arguably the most important question then, you mentioned the fact that there was a bit of mystery around Australia. Are you coming out? When are you making, uh, when are you making the trip to, uh, to Australia? <laughs> you tell me, you know, when I'll be able to, and then I can start working on my, my schedule. You know, I mean, we're, I think we're trying to figure that part out. It seems like it's going to be open, but we don't really have a date. Um, my plan is definitely to come out at some point this season. Uh, but, you know, I mean, we got to see. I mean, I don't want to go and then not be able to get out, you know. So that's something I've got to think about too, right? Fair call. I'm still too scared to go state to state travel in Australia right now. So I don't blame you for, for not wanting to, to come out from America. But anyway, the season's just started. So we do hope that uh, you can get out here at some point, man. Now, uh, for everyone, uh, Jonathan Gavoni, you can get him on Twitter at Draft Express. Uh, keep up to date with all his uh, draft stuff over at ESPN.com as well. Uh, he certainly keeps me inform someone who does not have a clue about college basketball or anything like that so uh, i really appreciate you and i appreciate your time today man thanks ken all right make sure you keep up with espn.com.au with all the nbl coverage we've got there nba stuff with guys like uh, jonathan as well wnbl is underway as well so we've got great stuff over at the website this podcast will be back next week so we appreciate you joining us subscribing rating sharing all that good stuff and we will catch you guys next week